Hi, welcome to Paris in New York City. If you're listening again, that means I was intriguing enough in the first episode to have you back for more. I want to say thank you. So the first episode, I gave you a quick introduction of me and what caused me to start this, as well as a short dating story and a few tips that I use. I had also introduced you to the version of me that needed to heal and was insecure and did not show myself enough love and grace. I did this because so many women that I come across are stuck in this version of themselves, where they're insecure by their age, by the size of their body, and by the rejection of the men that they're dating. In this episode, you will meet the Paris that has been healing, the Paris that has been prioritizing her peace and happiness, that has worked hard daily to overcome the old version of her and that has to keep reminding herself that she is worthy of forgiving herself and loving herself. The Paris that never thought she would stop crying herself to sleep, that never thought that she would stop fake smiling when out in the world. The Paris that thought that she was not capable of joy. The Paris that thought that she did not deserve to be happy. The Paris that blamed herself for every single little thing that in her mind was not good in her life. The Paris that was lost in despair, loneliness, and fear. The thing about healing is that you cannot just kick the old version out of you. It lives within you for an eternity. You have to find a way to forgive the old version of you and to welcome and accept the new version of yourself and then to introduce the two versions and combine them into one being. And how do you do this, you might ask? Well, everyone has their own journey and mine had to start with forgiveness. I had to forgive myself. I was so desperate to find emotional and spiritual peace. I will wake up every day feeling anxious as if I was about to play a tournament in which my life depended on it. I was 100% right though. The tournament was called escaping myself and my sanity depended on it. There was one thing I was sure of and that was that I could not continue living the life I was living. The new version was anxious to grow and expand and the old me was scared of change and doubtful of success. Every morning I woke up with a sickening feeling to my stomach. I felt nauseous. I wanted to just cry. I looked in the mirror and I hated myself. Every single inch of my face and body, every single freckle and every single curve. I left my apartment in a bad mood and the rest of the day was a shit show or at least it felt that way. I was in a toxic relationship that I felt trapped in. Trapped because the old me was too insecure of herself and did not love herself enough to just leave and the new me was not strong enough yet to walk away and embrace the uncertainty of the single life the old me kept telling me you're 38 paris you were single for three years before this men just wanted to sleep with you no one wanted to take you serious he has a wandering eye and he will occasionally cheat he doesn't fully respect you but he does everything with you he makes like 200k a year he does whatever you say for the most part you have his location and the camera to his house. He's a bit stupid and therefore you have the upper hand. You can manipulate him into doing what you want him to do. He is sexy, dresses really well, plans amazing dates, likes to travel like you, and you have amazing sexual chemistry with him. You can mold this one to be exactly what you need him to be. Everyone has to have at least one thing about them that's bad and his will be that he will degrade you every once in a while as a reflection of his own insecurity and that he will cheat on you every so often. But at least you'll be the main one. And isn't that what life is about? Then the new Paris that was still too weak to take control would fight back. Are you kidding me right now? So this is it, huh? We're just supposed to take the constant disrespect from this man, being called unattractive, being compared to his ex, slaving away, cooking every day, and catering to be taken out once a week, in which you don't even enjoy yourself because he's so busy paying attention to everyone else. Continue to feel unseen and unheard? This is what you think you deserve? What is 200k a year this day? In New York City, that is an average salary. You can make that on your own if you freaking stop cooking meals for this fool and just focus on what you want to do with yourself. How can you kiss him when he calls you a bitch with those same lips? How can you hug him when
when he has hit you with those same hands? How can you still care when he never cared? Fuck it. Today is the day that you leave. Remember who you are, Paris. You've come so far. You got over a relationship of nine years that was by far more real than this ever has been. This idiot refuses to meet your family. He has never engaged in wanting to do something with your daughter. Are you kidding me right now? This is nothing. You have gotten through much worse. Deja esa pendejo desgraciado mentiroso que nunca va a cambiar. The new version... The new version of me was growing stronger with each deception, with each new lie he told, with each new curse word he called me, which each new time he yelled at me, and the list goes on. I have been trying to help her get stronger faster because I really wanted to become her. I had started to envision what my life would be outside of this relationship. I pictured myself going out with my friends without having to check my phone a million times to see what my ex was up to. You see, he allowed me to go out. But he had cheated so much that I did not feel comfortable going out. Everything ignited anxiety in me that was so strong that I'd rather avoid the whole thing and stay home with him. I had a reason to feel this way. He had once invited a girl over to his apartment for a booty call while I was studying for a chemistry exam that I had the next day. I know I should have left, and I eventually learned to take accountability for my participation in this prolonged experience. However, here I was, knowing that I needed to leave, but not knowing how to leave. I started to go to people that could tell me the future. I went to one of my friends on, who just told me some vague things that I already knew, but I felt no comfort after that visit. I then went to an African shaman that my pain management doctor had suggested and he also told me some stuff to do to help me rid of negative energy which i did of course i was desperate however i still felt anxious i then contacted a lady that lived in nagua in the dominican republic nagua is known for having people that deal with all sorts of magic i was skeptical because this was just going to be a phone call not even a facetime call i had to send her money through caribe express and once she received it she would call me and we would have the reading I was nervous that she would just take my money and run. But at this point, I did not care if that happened. That risk was worth it if on the upside, she could help me. She told me the same vague stuff that everyone before her had said. However, she did say two things that made me believe in her. She told me about my dog's passing, and she told me about the passing of someone else that died unexpectedly that was really close to me. I had lost my dog in August and then lost my first boyfriend, my first love, and still really good friend four months later in the same year. I couldn't speak about them. It was grief that I did not have the time to process at the time because I had also aborted a pregnancy that I wanted so badly the same month my first boyfriend had passed away. I had encountered three deaths in four months and was dealing with a narcissist that stopped me from being able to properly deal with those other emotions. How did she know, I asked myself. She must be the real thing then because I got her number from a stranger in a store that I came across that I had overheard talking about how this person had helped her get over something. I had interrupted this person and asked her to pass along the information. This lady was sitting in a rural part of the Dominican Republic in Nagua, telling me about the two deaths that had rocked my world and thrown me into a spiral of depression without knowing anything about me or having a way to know anything about me. So I asked her for one thing and one thing only. How can I get rid of this man? Can you help me? Can you make him fall in love with someone else so that he can leave me alone? She told me some stuff to do, which I did. But to be honest, I'm not sure how helpful it was as I stayed with him still even after that. I then decided to talk to this life coach that one of my cousins has been seeing for years. She always talked about him. She went to him at least once a year. He was too expensive for me to do a one-on-one -on -one visit with him, so I had only attended one of his group classes once. He did leave a profound impact in that group class, but I still did not want to pay the $250 to book him for 30 minutes. However, I was desperate beyond belief, and so I did. 
I could tell you that I do not recall anything of the conversation we had. Nothing seemed to matter except one thing he suggested, which is what I tried and what helped kickstart my healing process and helped me free the new Paris from the cage that the old Paris was holding her in. He spoke to me about an old Hawaiian ritual that was used for thousands of years to help with healing. It was called Ho'opono Pono which translates to make things move back to balance. It is a practice that teaches the importance of love and forgiveness and allows the participant to read themselves of burdens in order to heal. He told me to close my eyes and recite these very simple four sentences over and over to myself. He made me do this during the meeting while he was on FaceTime watching me. The four sentences were, I am sorry, please forgive me, thank you, I love you. At first I was upset. Is this what I paid $250 for? I asked myself. However, he was persistent, and I did it a few times. It did not take long for visions of the things I hated myself for to come to mind, and my eyes just couldn't stop crying. At that moment, I realized how much hatred I had for myself, how many things I regretted, especially when it came to Ted. I still can't even really talk about it. I've worked hard on forgiving myself, on the many ways I feel that I failed my adorable dog, how I could have done better, how I did not do enough to provide him with the life he deserved. Ted will have two years he passed away on August 17th this year, and I still can't really talk about him without becoming an emotional mess. However, at the very moment, the $250 that I had spent on this life coach had become worth it. I continued to recite these four sentences to myself all day, every day after this, while I was driving, while I was at work, while I was falling asleep. And every single picture that came to mind of the things I had done, I forgave myself for it. Eventually, at some point, a shift happened in my mind and I could no longer accept BS from my ex. When I was forgiving and loving myself so much the last few weeks... I had started to ask myself, do you even really love yourself if you're still allowing this man to do X, Y, Z? I was on a different vibration and I had not even noticed it. I don't think he even noticed it. I had been bartending for the majority of the latter part of our relationship and therefore worked Friday and Saturday nights. However, I had found a 9-to-5 job and had quit bartending. This was the first Saturday in months that I was finally off before starting my new job. I was so excited to be on the other side of the bar and excited to be going out with my boyfriend. I have felt that part of the reason why our relationship wasn't great was maybe because I worked weekends and we really didn't get a chance to enjoy each other. He picked a lounge in the LES for us to go that day. I was not so excited about that because I had bartended in the Lower East Side up until the prior week and really wanted to change of scenery. However, I had convinced myself that at least I wasn't going to be serving the drinks this time. So we make it to this lounge. It's three floors. They have a rooftop, a main floor, and a lower level. We had gone down to the lower level because that's where the reggaeton DJ was playing. On the way to the lounge, he had expressed not being as excited about being out with me. He said that I was boring, that I barely talked and barely danced when we went out. I couldn't argue with him. I only dance when I'm drunk, and I have been trying to avoid getting drunk because we always fought when I did. I also have been very quiet because so much had happened between us that part of me hated him, and part of me hated myself for staying with him. So I was aware that I had not been myself in a while and probably boring. Therefore, I wanted to make sure that I had the best time today. I was certain we loved each other enough to get through all of my feelings of insecurity due to his cheating. We were standing at the bar, just holding our drinks in silence. The whole place around us was lit. But between us, there was an infinite silence. I felt the pressure of his previous words and felt insecure about him saying that I was boring. So I grabbed his hand and tried to lead him to the dance floor. He became extremely upset and pulled his hand away and asked me, 
what the hell I was doing. I tried to explain that I just wanted us to go dance a bit, and he said that I was lying, that I only grabbed his hand that way because there was a girl that had been looking at him. I am 5'2", and this man is 6 feet tall. The room looks very different to me than it looks to him, and I had not seen anyone looking at him. I was simply just trying to be more outgoing and less boring since he had said that earlier about me. He went on a rant about how disgusting I was and how insecure I was, to the extent that he ran upstairs and got his coat from the coat check and ran out of the club. I had four-inch heels on that day, and it was raining. I could barely keep up with his pace. By the time I got to his car, he was already pulling out of the parking spot. The rest of the car ride back to his place was filled with degrading comments about me in the worst way possible, things that didn't even have anything to do with tonight. I was so confused. All I had done was held his hand, me, his girlfriend of two years, that have been nurturing him, feeding him, taking care of him, the two times he had gone to the emergency room, that listened to all his problems, that booked all of his doctor's appointments, that worried about his body being fatigued and gave him daily massages. Me, his girlfriend that took him back endless times through his infidelities, and he almost left me in the streets of the LES because I had held his hand while apparently some stranger was locking eyes with him? I eventually zoned out his words, and all I could think about was my mom saying, ¿Cómo puede estar con alguien que te humille? Meaning, how can I be with someone that humiliates me? I had to go home with him because my car was parked in front of his house. He parked and left to his apartment in the same way he had ran out of the club, rushing and leaving me to run after him behind in the rain. My clothes were in his house, so I could not just go to my car. I went up to his apartment, and while he continued to belittle me and degrade me, I was collecting my things and throwing them into a bag. I walked out while he was still rambling on. He did not bother to chase me at that moment, nor for the rest of the night or the next day. I'm sure he thought that we would be broken up for a few days and that I would go back to him. So why chase me when he could go out with his friends and cousins and hook up with random girls, have his fun, and then come back to me when he's ready to be pampered again? I don't blame him for feeling this way. This was the nature of our relationship. I will leave him. After a few days, he would chase me, and shortly after, I will give in to his persistence. He just was unaware that the new Paris had been working overtime and had set up a coop to overthrow the old Paris. That night, she was able to capture her and lock her in, take total control of my mind, and I'm so grateful that she did till this day. After I left his apartment that night, I have messaged my friends that I know are always out, my go-to group of guys since 2017. They have been my rock through so many storms. I did not even tell them anything of what had happened. I just wanted to be surrounded by people that I knew loved me because I did not love myself enough yet. I met up with them at a bar that I absolutely hate in Astoria, but I was desperate to not change my mind. The old Paris was already trying to take herself out of the cage. The new Paris had placed her in, and I needed to be an active participant in this coup. Enough was enough. I went home shortly and recited the four lines to myself until I fell asleep. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. The next day was hard. I had endless blocked calls that I would just send to voicemail. The anxiety that I was experiencing was huge. But the day that I decided to choose myself was the 17th. Not the same month that Ted had passed away, but the same day. I felt there was a reason for this, that he did not want me to go back to that situation, that he wanted me to be free and happy. A lot of people don't understand why it has been so hard for me to lose Ted. Unless you're a dog owner, you will never understand. A lot of people told me to just get a new dog. I cut off a lot of those people from my life. Ted wasn't just a dog. Ted had been my son, my baby boy. He protected me till the very last day. On August 16th, I had taken him to the park for a walk. Walks with Ted had now consisted of me carrying him for most of the time. He was so weak that after a few minutes, he would collapse and not be able to move at all for the next 10 minutes. I had sat down on the grass, 
Ted was laying down next to me, and Minnie, my other dog, was just wandering around. She has always been the calm puppy, so I was never scared of her running away. I was on my phone texting when all of a sudden Ted had sprinted off running and barking towards a man that was walking in our direction. I left my Chanel purse and phone on the ground and ran after him. I was so scared that this man will kick him in self-defense. Ted would not be able to survive that. I finally was able to get a hold of his leash. I was excited thinking that this meant that he was getting better. He had not ran like that in weeks. The next day he passed away and I realized that Ted was just protecting me from strangers the way he always did. He had found strength for me when he didn't even have any left in him for weeks. That's what Ted did for me. He would lick the tears off my face every time that I cried for the nine years and 13 days that he was by my side and I missed him dearly. I made a promise to Ted that day while laying in bed that I will not go back to this miserable life and that I will become a better person, the person I should have been for him. Eventually, my ex started showing up at my house, at my job, at the places he knew I frequented with my friends. I refused to speak to him. I did not trust myself because the old Paris was starting to make a case as to why she should be freed. The mind is a powerful thing and it seeks comfort, even if that comfort is as disastrous as being addicted to drugs. It was making me forget the reason why I had left them and my heart was urging me to go back. My mind was telling me, maybe this is the time that things turn around for the better. I know there are so many people that can relate to this, anyone that has ever found themselves addicted to toxicity, but I was not going to break the promise that I made to Ted. And every time that my ex showed up, I called the cops and filed a police report. But that wasn't enough. I had already dropped one order of protection on him a few months ago. I know that in his mind, he thought that I would give in eventually, as I had done many times before. I needed to come up with a plan of action for myself to truly heal and be able to love myself. I still was actively reciting those four lines. I had also started expressing gratitude every morning and praying to God, my grandma, my uncles, and my first boyfriend that had passed away. I asked them all for help, but I knew that this wasn't going to be enough because I needed to work on my self-esteem and self-love. So I had started to look in the mirror and tell myself three things I loved about the way I physically looked and three character traits that I loved about myself. At first, I did not have a lot of things to say, but I will force myself anyways, even if I did not truly believe the words I spoke to my reflection. I then started to make sure that after work was done at 5 p.m., I had a packed schedule of activities. I started to go to the gym, to go do yoga and boxing, and to meet up with friends more frequently. I also started to write again. I was in such a funk for so long that I could not bring myself to write, and I love to write. It has always served as my escape and therapy since I learned how to do it in the first grade. I have endless journals at home filled with short stories and just my day-to-day -day summary of my life at that moment. It helped me take accountability for my mistakes in that relationship. We usually tend to put ourselves in a victim mentality and it's easier to blame others for our downfall than it is to look at yourself and point out the things that need to change in order to grow. This was absolutely the hardest part. I was so filled with regrets, not just about the relationship, but about my life in general as a woman, as a mother, as a daughter, as a cousin, and as a friend. I knew that although I was doing great so far, I needed to take things up a notch and decided not to fall back into usual patterns of getting drunk and sleeping with people that were not deserving of me just to have temporary instant gratification. I decided to stop drinking, using Lent as an excuse, and to not engage romantically with anyone until I felt I was doing it because I wanted to and not because I was lonely. This was huge for me. I went a total of 55 days without absolutely no alcohol. Thank you for my friends that supported my journey and did not try to peer pressure me into taking shots. I also went a total of about 170-something days without any sex at all. 
At some point during this, I had started dating and talking to several men, but I would not let anything go beyond the tap kiss. The journey I was on was by far more important than satisfying the cravings I had. I felt reborn. I was a new person. Beauty comes from ashes is tattooed on my ribcage. And while I always felt like it was a symbol of who I am and what I am capable of, it wasn't until I embarked on this journey that I truly felt like a phoenix. Two months later, my ex was still persistent. The calls and emails had stopped, but he still physically showed up everywhere. Sometimes he approached me, and sometimes I just saw his car drive by. I do not wish this on any woman. It makes you feel uneasy and unsafe. Many times I did not tell my girlfriends when I would see him because I was scared that they would stop wanting to hang out with me. I did not think he would harm me, but I was frightened nonetheless. It also made me angry that he apparently loved me this much to still chase me but had treated me so bad when he had me. I was so paranoid that I had even started to park my car 10 to 15 blocks when I was going on a date with someone so that he wouldn't be able to find me. I had taken my car to the mechanic so that they can raise the car up and check underneath it. I was certain he had a tracker on my car. However, they found nothing. But God is great, and he always comes through for people that have pure intentions and believe in him. I have found out that my first boyfriend's mother had also passed away. I was devastated. A few weeks prior to this, I had a dream that I had gone to her apartment in Queens, and she had been showing me baby pictures of him and telling me stories. I had kept telling myself that her son, my first boyfriend, was trying to tell me to go visit her. I kept meaning to contact his brother on Facebook to ask for her number and set this up. But I also felt it was weird for me to go visit her when the last time I had been at her apartment, I was 17 years old. Another regret that I will always have. What was it that he wanted me to go there for? I used to feel his presence a lot, and with time, I slowly felt him less and less. I was driving to her funeral and was on the Throg's Neck Bridge when I heard a loud rattling. I looked through my side view mirror, and I could see my bumper had detached from the passenger side and was just attached on by the driver's side. It was just flying up and down nonstop. I could not believe it. There were no shoulder lanes for me to pull over, so I just had to wait till the first exit. I pulled over and thank goodness that I had a jump rope in my gym bag. I was able to quickly use the rope to tie it back up and made it to the funeral. The next day, I took it to the mechanic. I needed them to attach it back and so I could have insurance fix it for me. And guess what I found? Underneath the bumper was a GPS tracker. My ex was handy when it came to cars and he often fixed my car when we were dating. He must have detached my bumper at some point, maybe while I was at work, and put the tracker there. These are all assumptions, but it made sense as to how he always knew where I was. I immediately went to the cops. The cops at my precinct were sick of me by now. I have filed a total of 11 police reports within the last few months. I was finally granted a temporary order of protection, and he was arrested. I still do not have a final order of protection because the system takes a long time to process these cases. Well, some may think that this is not a big deal. It's not a big deal until it has happened to you. And the struggle that women have to go through in New York to get protected is insane. The system needs to be better. I am lucky that my ex is scared to go to prison, and I know in my heart he would not kill me. However, we hear so many cases of exes that have killed their girlfriend or wife after they have tried to leave. This is why it is important to make sure that you're a place in which you love yourself so much that you cut people off and end relationships that minute you start to see the signs of abuse. It is important to be in a position where you do not need the man financially and can survive without them. Surround yourself with friends and family and always continue to work on yourself so that you attract people that are on the same wavelength as you. This Paris that is here today recording the second episode is one that is not fully healed yet, but a work in progress, and that is so beautiful. I love that for myself. 
I now have too many things that I tell myself every morning that I love about myself. Now I have to limit myself, whereas once I stood there forcing myself to be able to come up with six things. I now laugh and smile and actually mean it. I'm embracing this journey wholeheartedly and allowing myself the pleasures that now I know I deserve. I still recite those four lines. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I will admit that it's not as often as it was in the beginning. And I still pray every single morning and night. I express my gratitude because being able to wake up is a blessing within itself that so many of us take for granted. As long as you are alive, any problems that you have can be resolved. I continue to make sure that I keep myself busy, but not because I am scared to become the old Paris, but because I am busy doing things that I love and have a passion for. Being able to change the way I feel about myself has seeped into other aspects of my life. I have been meeting individuals that are equally as devoted to themselves as their progress as I am. I have had the pleasure to date men that have treated me not like a princess but like a queen without me even having to tell them how to treat me. But I will leave those stories for another episode. The old Paris is still within me. She is no longer a prisoner. I nurture her. I remind her of her beauty. I've forgiven her. And most importantly, I have admired her for her strength. She dealt with a lot through the death of her beloved puppy, the death of a man that meant so much to her, which she had envisioned would be a part of her life for many, many more years, even if that consisted of communicating through text and phone calls. She had dealt with the self-hatred of having made the decision to abort her pregnancy due to the turmoil of her relationship, and she has still managed to graduate with a second bachelor's in biochemistry, holding a 3.78 GPA, and re-enter the corporate world, marking new beginnings in her life. I respect the hell out of the old Paris, and I love and embrace the new one that has dedicated herself to wanting to help others that have walked in her path. Remember that you are enough, and everything you need to prevail is within you. This is Paris in New York City, and thank you for listening.